I've interviewed Michael Hughes twice, actually. Um, All right, stuff showed off. <laughs> no, but it's not. Actually, that's another side. Oh, my God. You asked me before what the highlight. Interviewing Michael D twice. And both times, I only had five minutes to prep. <laughs> yeah, and a mic was thrown into my hand. And I was like, hello, President Michael D. And, you know, he was, he's so good and warm. And, you know, I'm mad about him. But, yeah, God about that. My mom actually has a photo of me. Someone took a photo of me interviewing Michael D. And my mom has it blown up and put on... Um, her shelf in the kitchen <laughs> and it's me <laughs> chatting to, to Michael D. So yeah, that was kind of cool. Well, I mean, that's I mean, I see, that's what I'm saying. That's incredible. <laughs> I interviewed the president of the country. <laughs> see, I need to start writing the stuff down. I do. Exactly. I yeah. yeah. Kira needs to have a proper diary. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. Honestly. <laughs> No, no, the adult I would never see the light of day anyway. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome back to another episode of Finterviews. I'm your host, Connor Finn, and on this week's episode, I sat down for a chat with the brilliantly talented Kira King. Kira is a broadcaster, presenter, and author, probably best known for her sensational RT2 FM show with Chris Green, and of course, the infamous Kira's Diary. We talked all about growing up in the West, the unique characters and dark humours that emerged from rural Ireland falling into success in radio and broadcasting, the highs and lows of interviewing some of the biggest names in the industry, and of course, her frustrations with no one buying her Roger Federer memorabilia for her birthday. I mean, honestly. (laughs) Kira was such a lovely, generous guest to have on the show, and someone who I've been a huge fan of for many years now, so I was just delighted that um, she came on and had a wee chat with me. So... Without further ado, please enjoy this latest episode of Finterviews with the sensational Kira King. Well, welcome back to another episode of Finterviews. On the show this week, I'm delighted to have the brilliant Kira King. How's it going, Kira? Hi, thank you so much for having me. No, it's an absolute pleasure. Honestly, um, I'd actually mentioned to my brother um, just before this that I was going to be chatting to you with, uh, with you this morning. Um, and, uh, we would be pretty big fans of yourselves from like iRadio moving on to RT. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, uh, I, I feel like I've been hyping myself up for this one. It's, I mean, this is a great start to the Monday morning. Like, what, what, what else would you be doing, really? Uh, nothing because we're in the middle of a pandemic, in fairness. So, <laughs> you're the person that I've talked to this morning. So, I'm delighted, delighted to be here. <laughs> And I've got my milk, so I'm I'm good to go. You see, just, obviously, you can't see this. Oh God, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like you stole that out like a hotel. Do you know what I mean? We personalised one. <laughs> but here, um, here for people that maybe don't know you, which I mean, rude, obviously. God, <laughs> they think they are living under a rock. Uh, but maybe tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and kind of a bit about your background. What people might know you for. Um, okay, so <clears throat> my name is Kira, and I'm from Connemara in Galway. <laughs> and about 11 years ago, uh, I started on a radio station called I-105-107, which was the sister station of I-102-104, which was um, in the northwest of the country. And I started off doing a talk show with a guy called A.B. Philbin Bowman, who's now actually on RT Radio 1. And um, John Bowman would be his father, obviously, remember from Questions and Answers. And I had never... Um, 
wanted to get into radio, I kind of fell into radio and I fell into this producer role. And then AB got sick for a week and this guy called Chris was brought in. And I'll never forget that week. I've forgotten like large chunks of the last 10 years, but I'll never forget that week. Um, this guy came in and the two of us, we'd never met each other and we did a radio show together for a week. And then um, about two weeks later, I was called into the office and they were like, you had such good chemistry with Chris. And I was like, yeah, it was good fun. Like, he's really weird. But, you know, that was good crack. <laughs> and the rest is history. That following May, I think myself and Chris started working together. Um, the show was called The Third Eye with Chris Green. And then obviously we evolved into Chris and Kira. That was 11, 12 years ago. And seven years ago, we got headhunted by RTE. Um, for their nighttime show. So we took our nighttime show from my radio and we brought it to nighttime in RT2FM. Now, of course, we're on the weekends on Saturday and Sunday between 11 and 1. And in that time, oh my God, you know, I love, love, loved our nighttime show. I thought it was so the crack and the way people used to react to it and just me and Chris having fun and being ridiculous and doing really satirical pieces of radio and and then obviously we used to cure diary every Wednesday, which is where I used to read out my teenage diaries when I was young. And when I got to RTE, Gil Books approached me and Kira's diary was made into a book in 2017. Um, so that was that was a huge achievement. And it was kind of like oh, pretty cool to have a nighttime show <laughs> and to have a book come out of it, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's uh, you you you've wrapped up the the last couple of years pretty pretty succinctly there. Like, I mean, I mean, and then of course moving from strength to strength, and now here you are on interviews. I mean, really, like from here it just kind of has to go downhill because I mean, you're you're really you know like yeah, <laughs> that's what I always like to tell my guests. It's going to get even bigger, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's what I always like to tell my guests. None of them actually talk to each other, but they really should because after interviews, they peak and often things just kind of start to go a bit downhill. So, um, because there's nowhere else you can really go from here. Do you know what I mean? You're like, you went through the glass ceiling. Where's next? I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, like, as you said there, I suppose, um, that's one of the things that like I would know you for is from presenting obviously with Chris and Kira um and Kira's diary and those late night shows. That's when I first kind of got introduced to you. Um through actually a mate of mine, I remember back in school was like, Have you ever heard of I radio? Me being a big naughty, my radio kind of like background was that you like Radio One, like BBC, like, or it would have been like Radio Ulster, all these other things. And then I was slowly kind of being like, oh, two FM, you could get like them and stuff. But I radio, I know it just was never coming up in like the car feed. So I remember actually having to like listen back to your shows on SoundCloud um, for like the likes of Kira's Diary and stuff like this. And um, it was actually when I was back at home, used to share a room with my brother. I remember just like kind of like, like him being a, like in the like other side of the room and me listen to like Kira's Diaries be like, <laughs> like just passing out like but um, not not like it wasn't putting me to bed or anything like but it was yeah. one of those things. Well it was on pretty late at night it was on until one o'clock in the morning when I think about that now I think that's absolutely nuts <laughs> you know that we did a radio show until one o'clock in the morning and it would be just myself and Chris leaving the studio one and we would be it'd be like you know finishing work at five o'clock in the evening like a normal person except for us it was like one o'clock in the morning and we'd gone in and we'd done this like energetic radio show for three hours and then we'd walk out and the car park was empty it was really, really dark everyone was in bed you know it was, it was strange, strange. 
Yeah, I suppose you're kind of like wrapped up in that own like, you know, we world in that bubble. And then as soon as you're out of it, you're being like, Jesus Christ, like wh- where'd that come from? Yeah, a bit of a fever dream, like. <laughs> yeah, not. Because you're right though, it is a little bubble being in the studio. When you're interacting with somebody and you're, you're interviewing people and you're doing sketches and, you know, you're having fun. And then when you come out and you merge into the real world, you're like, oh. like sometimes me and Chris can't remember what we did half an hour ago. <laughs> Seriously. Because we do this thing where we record the podcast after our radio show and we record the intro on a Sunday evening. So when the podcast put together on the Saturday and Sunday show, and I swear to God, the two of us are like, what do we do on Saturday on the show? <laughs> we have to think about it. We have to get people to send it to us. And then as soon as we see it, we go, oh, yeah, yeah, that's what we did. But like, it's like you're in the moment and then as soon as the show's over, you forget. Yeah, it's a blackout. It's a mental block. You're just kind of being like rolling off the punches. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But here, I suppose you kind of mentioned that um, when you first kind of got into presenting and broadcasting, but like, was it something that you'd always gravitated towards or like had a passion for? Because it seems like it's very much fitted down your route or was there potentially like another path that you maybe had in mind? Do you know what? I see radio as something, a bonus. And when I say that in that, I never grew up wanting to be a radio. I'm not a radio DJ. I'd call myself a broadcaster. You know, there is a difference between a radio DJ and a broadcaster. And when people call me radio DJ, I'm like, no, I'm not. Tracy <laughs> is a radio DJ. Jenny Green is a radio DJ. Those girls know their music. They're slick. They're, you know, whatever. Whereas I ramble on. And, you know, I like to interview people. And I kind of like to, you know, talk about things. But... No, it was writing. I kind of always gravitated towards English. And when I say English is such a broad term, um, but I did a master, I did a, my degree in English and sociology and politics in NUI Galway. And then I did a master's in journalism because I wanted to write. And that's when I got introduced to radio and uh, I did a radio show. And then I got my, um, I got my work experience in RTE Radio 1. Uh, when oh, I was yeah. 23 years of age. So I, I've got my work experience in the news at one, which is incredible. But I realised that I am not a political journalist. I don't think I, I'm not a news journalist. Like I'm a news junkie myself. Mm. But in turn, I knew there was something that I wanted to do in radio, but I wasn't quite sure what that was. And then Chris came into my life, and then we developed. Two of us just happened to have the same sense of humour. Um, you know, we've kind of similar uh, upbringing, background, we're from the same area in Galway. Um, and we had, it was our humour, it was our humour that, and our chemistry um, that created Chris and Kira and the radio show. And I was like, well, this is what I want to do. This is fun. This is creative. It's kind of theatre of the mind, you know, in a lot of ways. So there's elements of like, you know, we write for the show, we act for the show, we, you know, come up with different scenarios. And, and that's, I like to be challenged and I like to make it fun and I like to make it satirical. So that's the sort of radio that I like. Yeah, yeah. So, like, you didn't, you knew that it was something that you're kind of looking to go forward to, but probably, yeah, as you said, it wasn't until you were kind of like, mm, maybe not political journalist. Um, no, I knew, then, I, knew I wasn't cut out for that. And I have to, I want to give a shout out to any of the news journalists that are out there. They work so hard. They know their stuff inside out. Um, and I just, I never gravitate. Like, obviously, I know what's going on in the world, but I was kind of more in, interested in human interest stories and mm. something that more quirky or a little bit different as opposed to what's going on in Irish society and politics and stuff you know <laughs> yeah yeah I kind of get that as well um actually just before this um I was with Joe and um similar kind of thing where I so 
me being a naughty come down here, I was just, I mean, I was just like a kid, like in my own head and stuff, being like, yeah, I, I understand everything that's going on down here. Um, like just Dublin, big city. Yeah, I like get used to that, no bother. It wasn't until I started <laughs> chatting to people and they were being like, oh yeah, like it was like the general action always coming up. I just had no clue about anything. And I remember being like, I can't like add anything to this. So I would just like make piss tech videos. And that was the only way yet that you had to have, like I was able to like get around it to be like, that's my input to something that is making like the taking the piss out of something. Like. Yeah, no, I get that. One way for working for RD and working for them. Thankfully, we weren't able or allowed to talk about general elections or elections or referendums or anything like that. Um, because obviously being part of the national broadcaster, you know, you're not supposed to you have an opinion. You're not really allowed to, you know, sway the vote. Or, yeah, you know, yeah, so yeah. I completely understand that. Um, so in terms of politics, that's gotten me out of a lot of, and especially <laughs> as well. I'm like, I'm okay. But I think if he works for RT Radio 1, it might be a different story. Yeah, yeah, maybe just, but, no. but like, no, I think that's why I, like, myself and so many others, like, probably enjoy the content that you guys push out so much, where, I mean, day to day, I think that you're absolutely, like, inundated with, like, people being, like, very serious news and stuff like this. And, like, it's especially your kind of show where, like, you would just kind of clock off for a minute and you'd just be able to enjoy people having the crack on, like, radio, which, like... It sounds like so simple to just be like, oh, I'm just listening to ones having the crack. But like, honestly, like the amount of people that had been, you know, that they find that they're just being like trailed back through, you know, uh, they're just hearing like all the same news stories throughout the day or, you know, the same kind of conversations and people like spouting out their opinions about stuff. Like it can get a bit tiring. So like, it's like shows like yourselves that like Keira's Diary or like even like, um, oh God, I completely... <laughs> forgetting the guy that you call him um the Galway player there we go yeah like like yeah stuff like that or you just kind of like you're taken so far <laughs> out of like um whatever's happening in your day that you're like oh my god and then you completely forget like um which I think is like something that's you guys are so good at doing like you're just something that we both were like okay no serious stuff on the show <laughs> Uh, you know, we were like, no serious stuff. There's enough of it going on. And like we said mm. that to each other 11 years ago and we still kind of stand by that now. And then when we do do serious stuff, we genuinely believe in it and we're not just jumping on mm. bandwagon, you know? Yeah. But me and Chris, we always kind of wanted to have a show where it felt like we were two mates sitting on the back of the bus having a conversation. Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of what we've gone with for about 11 years. Yeah. <laughs> <And> <laughs> we've done We've done some crazy stuff. Like, uh, I remember it was International Women's Day and we had my ovaries on uh, for an interview and they're just gone on Sunday. And I, I'm a little bit, I kind of maybe regretted a little bit. So we interviewed Fungi the Dolphin. Um, and it would be funny if Fungi comes back, but I was, I was listening to the news reports this morning and he's like, he's definitely missing. So yeah, I know a little bit too close to the bone there, but... The fact that we were, you know, that's that's the sort of stuff that, how ridiculous, you know, we interviewed Funky the Dolphin. <laughs> you know, we're always trying to do, I think the Virgin Mary was on the radio show one night, you know, basically trying to give me um, love advice and stuff like that. And <laughs> it's just so funny and so different. And, you know, it's just, well, it's, as you said, in a sea of where everyone is talking about the same things all the time, where people are, you know, interviewing the same Irish celebrities all the time. It's like, guys, we need to think outside the box. And I think that's something that myself and Chris are really, really good at. Yeah. Getting 
on that hadn't had a voice in Ireland ever. Yeah, I suppose that's kind of like lent me on to what I was going to ask next. Like, is there like an, any inspiration behind the kind, like behind the humor and content that like you would be so known for? Like, is there anyone or anything that particularly influences that? I suppose you, you know, being from out west, you know, in the middle of Colomar, yeah. like, I suppose that kind of like landscape and atmosphere lends itself probably quite well to be like, you know, you're not being like, you know, so much clouded and so like a cityscape where it's like this is happening whatever like this I mean me like I mean Armas definitely not the same as Cotabara but like you feel like you are definitely like landlocked in the middle of nowhere and um yeah, yeah it is funny that like just between your siblings and stuff like this like the weirdness that you get up to but like also you can't like make that anywhere else I think it's just kids being like growing up and being like right imagination go and then gets to quite weird places but I mean lends itself to humor greatly it does. And I think that's what's so amazing about the different pockets of Ireland. And I think, you know, with a lot of Irish based media, it's very Dublin centric. Mm. And there is amazing, you know, Kerry and Cork and Connemara and Armagh. And like that, they, that's where the interesting stories are. That's where the interesting people are. Like, my God, the characters in Connemara, some of them related to me. Some of the experiences that I've had, I've told friends in Dublin and they're like, what? Oh my God, there was a horse in the pub. And I was like, yeah, there was one day a guy brought a horse into the pub. <laughs> and it's a very country specific experience, definitely. Mm. And there is a difference between living in the city and living in the country uh, without a shadow of a doubt, obviously. And so myself and Chris wanted to bring our experience. So Chris is from a different part of Connemara than me. Mm. So Chris is from um, Spiddle, which is an Irish speaking part of uh, Connemara. And I'm from Roundstone which is a little fishing village about 40, 50 minutes away. Um, but in that, they're, they're just like just like there's characters in Armagh, just like there's characters in Kerry and West Cork and Connemara and Offaly and like, you know, in every part of every pocket of Ireland, there's these amazing characters and humour, this really dark sense of humour. And I think the Irish people have a really dark sense of humour. And I, Chris will like roll his eyes now because I'm going to bring up the famine, right? Whatever. <laughs> and, you know, bye. I, I was waiting for it to be honest. Yeah, like, uh... <laughs> You're talking about the famine again. No, but I believe in this thing called transcendence. And I think that obviously the Irish have had really, really, really hard time. Um, north and south over however many, you know, thousands of years or whatever. And I think that the way we cope with it, it's like some of the best crack that I've ever had or, you know, some of the best laughs have been at funerals. Because Irish people get so dark at funerals. Because <laughs> it's like the only thing we can do to deal with our sadness is to laugh about it. You know what I mean? Mm. And oh my God, like, you know, so there is, there is a, a darkness about our humor. And it's one of my favorite things about Irish people because all of us have gone through something on some level or our family's generation before and before. And we're just kind of, you know, a little link of that. So. I have a really dark sense of humor, like a really dark sense of humor. And thank God Chris has the same dark sense of humor as me. And that's why I think the two of us work, you know, um, the, you know, this, I, it takes an awful lot to work in a radio partnership, but thank God we're on the same page when it comes to that, because you can kind of bat off each other, you know, and it's like, how dark are we going to go here? How dark are we going to go? And then it's usually me that kind of reels him back in, you know, and I'm like, okay, come on. Yeah, yeah, you you have to remember you're being like. If you think stuff that myself and Chris say in between songs, we would be fired, we would be cancelled, uh, we would never work in media in Ireland ever again. 
Um, but <laughs> I, yeah, I do. I love that. I love that. <laughs> yeah, I always kind of like. It's funny that you mentioned that about you know the transcendence and whatever like this. I always kind of say you know the reason that like so so many of us like have this kind of dark humor you know it's tragedy plus time and is comedy like do you know what I mean it's like where else are you going to like rip the rip the arse out like do you know what I mean when you have to just be like she's been through a rough time do you know what I mean? yeah like I've, yeah, I've got a really dark and sometimes people get it and then other times people are like oh <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah yeah, look, it's definitely helped me in my career anyway. Well, in certain aspects of my career. You know? <laughs> yeah, we won't we won't talk about the other ones. Yeah, yeah, the, 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 yeah. <laughs> but I suppose that maybe like maybe brings around to n- my next question, which was kind of like I always ask this um, because I think it's always a really interesting thing that um, find out what people have maybe done before their careers in this. So like yeah. like before your career in broadcasting, and um, you mean being an author, presenter, all this, like, tell us about maybe some of the character building jobs that maybe you had growing up that formed the person that you are today. Do, do you know what I mean when I say character building, by the way? Because I get that, like, sometimes I say this and people just get a glazed look over their face and they're like, what are you talking about? Uh, <laughs> I've been building on this character since I was 11 years of age. So I got my first job. I've been working since I was 11. And Illegal. <laughs> local local hotel and I had these like huge glasses like they were massive and I was like a mouse I was very very quiet very shy very timid and I'll never forget the day that I got the job and it was to load and unload the dishwasher after breakfast in the local hotel <laughs> and then slowly in that hotel I worked my way up to uh, I would be as a chambermaid then I was in the kitchen prepping veg and um, then I started helping out with the, the, the starters and the main courses for the restaurant. Then I became a waitress in that restaurant. So from the age of 11 up until whenever I started working in my radio, 23, 24, um, I worked in that restaurant every single summer. And in between that, I also worked in a bookshop. I worked in an antique store. Uh, there was one summer I went to Chicago and I worked in a bar called the Goy Arms. Um, what other jobs have I had? <laughs> the antique store was really, really cool. Um, the book, the bookstore, I loved obviously. Do you know what I mean? Because I love books. I worked in the local um, super agent. Um, what else? I feel like I've definitely done more. <laughs> Sorry, I love that you're listing them off. Be like, this what I've done. Like, usually people are like scratch their heads. Be like, oh, it was like things I've like kind of done that like maybe have like lent themselves to a bit to like to no, like no, you know I've, inform I've, me. I've thought about this a good bit, and <laughs> you're prepared. <laughs> Yeah, when I started the uh, waitress thing, I was like afraid to go down and take the orders at the table. Oh, God, so, yeah. And my confidence got built up. And then by the end of it, I was like, you know, the chef was giving out to me because I was talking to the, the customers way too much. <laughs> you know, food would be growing cold on the table. And I'd be like, well, let me tell you. And I, loved it, and I loved talking to people. And it was, you know, it was Captain Tiger Ireland. And it was all sorts of clientele, all sorts of people from all around the world. And I learned a lot about human beings and um the nouveau rich were the rudest the people with the most money were the most polite people are very narky when they're hungry and very happy when they've had a really really good meal um people want to show off with each other by buying the most expensive bottle of wine you know on the menu you can see the dynamics between particular relationships i used to be able to look and go god they are not happy together um you know like honestly or oh god they're in love and you know so so many I learned so much about the human condition 
working in the dining room and also about myself as well. And it definitely grew my confidence. And what it also made me aware of how ignorant certain people are. They used to ask me um, what I what what did I do when the hotel closed? And I was like, I go back to college. And they're like, oh, you're in college. Well done. And I'm like, <laughs> what? Oh my God. What, are you for real? what do you think we do in the village when, you know, everything closes? Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's really and it also kind of pointed out people's ignorance to me, which I was really shell-shocked by, you know, because I grew up in a really free and liberal fishing village where basically... You know, we were we had big dreams and our parents supported us and there was never any doubt that we were gonna to go to college and we go to school or you know and it just used to make my mind boggle being like, What do you think we do here in the village? Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> Shut up until you all come down again next May. And <laughs> uh, yeah, it was a real, real learning curve. Definitely. Yeah. But I will say, I've always been using my voice. Um, I was the first alter girl in the village. Believe that or believe that not, right? My very religious phase when I was like seven or whatever. Um, but I used to do the readings and math on a Saturday and Sunday morning. So I used to do the first reading and I used to do the responsorial Sam. And my mother is like not religious at all. And she's just like, where do we get this one from? Like she's such a nerd. Um, but I used to stand up and I used to do the readings. And then um, when I went to school, I was always picked to read the lines of different plays in class or read different poems or different chapters. So I've always been, I guess, using my voice. And then that's just kind of translated into me on radio. <laughs> you know, so it was always kind of there in some point. Yeah, yeah, I get you. I mean, from all to girl, yeah, like lend itself. I mean, that, that's where most people start off. And to get into radio, you know, they build up like confidence, you know, like reading out, whatever. I get you, honestly. Um, I mean... From my experience, I used to be a bit alter boy in myself. I mean, um, I, I I don't think I would have um, had as much kind of a say in the sermon, stuff like this. But um, I mean, I, I give it a good whop. Yeah, I enjoyed, I enjoyed the clothes. I thought I thought it worked out well for me. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't like the clothes at all. No. <laughs> I was just like, I was the first female altar girl in the parish ever. Um, you know what I mean? And I'm like, yeah, feminist Kira, you know? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I love that from the, even that stage of being like, I'm not a normal girl, I'm a cool girl. Yeah, I, mean, when I think about it now, I'm like, wow, Jesus, you know, I must have fucking away. My mother's just like, where did we get her? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're just working away doing the dishwashing thing, people being like, what do you do with all your time? Um, actually, I'm actually the first female altar girl um, in the parish, but like, whatever, guys, yeah. <laughs> I will say, and the similarities again between myself and Chris, Chris started working in a restaurant when he was young as well. So the two of us know how to work hard. And that is one thing over the course of 11 years, the two of us, we always show up. And the mm. both of us know at this stage that the two of us are grafters. And that's something I really respect about Chris. Uh, I don't think I'd be able to work with him if I was, um, if, if I didn't see that in him. And he'd be the same about me as well. You know, oh, yeah. and there's been times you know, over the course of 11 years, that's a really, really long time and different things go on in your personal life. And there's been some times when you were on the ball, you know, for years and then you drop the ball because there might be something going on in your personal life and you know the other person will take that slack for you. Not mm. forever, but they will take that slack for you, you know, if, if there's something kind of going on. But Chris always shows up and that's something I know about him. Yeah. And hopefully he'll let me too. Well, yeah. it's 11 years later, you know? So. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, you, you, you'd like to think so by now. You're you're in pretty secure secure point there. Being like, Chris, now I mean, just don't don't take me over today. Come on, come on. <laughs> but I suppose, yeah. like from that, um, I'm I, I'm actually delighted I asked you about that because nobody has actually answered that like that kind of character building question with the what I thought would have been the most normal to be like, oh, I was waiter and stuff like this. Nobody so far has actually like said that route, which is my kind of similar route as well, where I find out I um yeah, not great with handling some people. I mean, I think I actually had to leave, like find another job because I was getting to the point where I was just starting to resent people a bit <laughs> too much for coming in. Start off very polite, whatever like this. I remember the people in my work used to tell me that I spoke way too posh. Um, because I was like I have no idea why. I think it was because, like, I used to choir when I was younger. But I used to walk, like, my back as well was straight. So I remember, like, coming, like, after a couple of years in this restaurant, like, you know, talking like he's from blah, blah, blah. And, like, hunching over half the time. And I was thinking, yeah, this this probably isn't the right progression that somebody should go into. So, I mean, delighted to hear that um <laughs> you at least uh, took something away from it. Where I feel like it probably took something away from me. <laughs> <laughs> But I suppose from doing that, I uh, mean, obviously working your way up um, through media and stuff like this, what now does like an average day look like? Is there any day, like one day the same to next? Because as you said, I mean, you could be interviewing Fungi. Um, you could be, um, you could be doing anything these days. Like, like so much, I suppose, is informed by like what's happening going on. But then your show's no, so eclectic busier than I've ever been and I've just managed to be able to um, work you know from home so you know I'm really really lucky or whatever but obviously my set and grace are on, on a Saturday and Sunday we'll um, hook up on a Friday and we'll with the producer and researcher and we'll chat about the show no matter where we are or what we're doing um, but like this week I have to record a video for Children in Hospital Ireland I'm a patron for their charity and it's National Children's Day on the 20th of November so I'm um, adding my voice to that charity. So I have to record that video today. It's really annoying in one way because I have some makeup for the first time in I don't know how long. Um, and what else? Um, oh, I, I'm actually writing a play at the minute. So Holy I'm, shit. Yeah, yeah. So I'm submitting that. Um, and the amount of, of, of writing that goes with that is kind of, you know, um, it's a lot and I've never written a play before so kind of um, a new experience for me and I yeah I'm writing a collection of articles as well um, so I'm doing a lot of writing I'm doing a lot of writing which is brilliant and I have the time and space and energy to do that now so I'm lucky and I think in my head I just went right here now or never yeah um, I'm upset I write Kira's diary on Friday as well for the show on the Saturday and where we reimagined this where Kira is a teenager in 2020 um, so that's been a bit of fun you know, that has been a bit of crack to bring back Kieran's diary, you know, when, when things kind of went to shit there last March, you know, like, oh, why don't we, you know, and people seem to get a laugh out of it. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a lot. To, and then I, I'm sometimes I'm on the six o'clock show um, with Marina Martin. So I do that on Skype from my living room, which is always um, interesting. I miss live studio. Like I miss going into the TV studios and the radio studios and stuff like that. Mm. Um, but for now, just the way the country is and the situation is, I have just reside like and I'm very, very lucky. I just have resigned myself to the fact that, you know, I'm gonna hibernate for the winter and I'm gonna try and make the most of it. Um, you know, and you know, we were talking about earlier on, there's so many different phases of the pandemic. In March, 
what was I doing in March? In March, I think I was just trying to get my head around the pandemic and myself and my housemates at the time were treating it like a Spanish holiday. Um, <laughs> and then in April, it was like, oh God, I started buying loads of random stuff from the internet. Yeah. May, I think I started reading books again because I couldn't concentrate until the last stage. June, I started running. Obviously, the end of the end of June, the country opened back up when I came down to Connemara. And I never really went back up, you know. Um, so I'm back cooking because I was cooking loads as well. And I'm back reading loads. And I'm watching, you know, loads of Netflix and I'm listening to podcasts. Because I kind of mm. said to myself, if I listen to one podcast a day, just to educate myself, if I read one book a week, or if I can try two, and if I write for at least three or four of those days, and then obviously do the radio show on a Saturday and Sunday. Now this week, we're actually covering for Jenny on Friday. So oh, we're on on Friday, yeah, and then have our own radio shows on Saturday and Sunday. Um, so every week does differ. Every week does. And it's my birthday this week, actually. Oh shit! Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, my, God. <laughs> um, it'll be like happy birthday for one. Um, <laughs> which I'll be, yeah, it's going to be a little bit weird. It's going to be a little bit weird because um, the weather here is so awful. So it's not even a chance to go for a walk outside or anything like that. So. Um, look, I'm grateful that I'm alive and that my loved ones are alive and my friends are safe after what's been like an absolutely horrendous year for so yeah. many people. And ironically, I've never wanted to celebrate my birthday more because how lucky am I, you know what I mean? To, you know, to still be here and to, to have a job and, and all that sort of stuff. But I'd be I'd blowing out a candle on my own. <laughs> Yeah, well, like, I suppose that's probably it. Like, I mean, <laughs> when it, when I ask like that, like, average day to day question, I completely forget. It's like, yeah, sorry, this like, nobody's had an, even an average year, not like, let alone a day to day. Like, um, but I mean, at least you've had the progression, like, who knows, maybe like the uh, Italian, you know, summer dream would be coming back for winter. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, like just invest in some wee, like, you know, some grapevine, yeah, just import in some wine. You'd be grand, sure you'd be winning. Yeah, yeah. maybe. I think it's going to be a lot of fires, a lot of, lots of pots of tea. <laughs> I kind of want to go to bed really early, but I'm waking up really early. So yeah. that, that was flipped from the start of the pandemic. The start of the pandemic, I was up really, really late. I was, you know, I was barely sleeping. I was having crazy dreams. And now I've kind of sleep changed myself to the point where like, I got into bed last night around 10 o'clock, but I was awake from like half five this morning, you know, half you five, freak. six o'clock. So God. It's like, yay, I'm sleeping earlier, but now I'm awake earlier. And I was like, oh God, <laughs> it's so hard. I was on a winter's morning. I could hear the rain outside. And I was like, oh my God, get up, Kira, be productive. So I think there's yeah. going to be an awful lot of that. Me just telling myself to get out of bed and just work. But also we have to go, Easier,ourselves,you know?That's it,that's it,yeah.You have to go to sleep,ourselves,and just get through each day now at this stage,and,you know,obviously,tonight,there's going to be more recommendations for level four and level five,so that's going to affect,you know,an awful lot of people that I
And I know that people are struggling. I do. I get it. Jesus, I get it. But like, I'm doing my part. You're doing our part. But we all have to do our part, you know? Yeah, no, no, exactly, Jiz. I mean, tell me about, like, that's literally what me and my mate have kind of been talking through this whole thing. We've just been like, we're just gonna, we're just gonna, like, if, if there's any, if there's ever going to be anything to look back from, it's like, you know what? I'm not going to be cared about being like, oh, God, Connor is a bit of like a wet blanket during nasty. Sure. He wasn't going to do that, whatever, like that. It's like, I would, you know, 10 times tech being known for that, being like, oh, I didn't go to those things or you didn't, you know, fuck off away to, you know, on your big holiday or whatever like this for a year and then come back and be like, yeah, I, I mean, at least I was trying to be a bit decent. But I mean, but we, we don't want to get too rugged down in that now um, or else I'll go on a big rant and probably blacklist uh, myself from a lot of places. Um, I, Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I've got a little black book. Don't, don't, don't worry. It'll, it'll be coming. Yeah. Um. But you've kind of done, like, you, you keep, like, just dropping, like, bits and pieces here and there, like, throughout this, like, interview about, like, the mad shit that you've done, like, to be fair, like, and it's one of those things that I suppose is why that I kind of would have, like, looked up to yourself and Chris as well, because, like, it's one of those things that I kind of aspire to be, like, you know what, maybe I'll start a podcast so I can, like, you know, chat to people, whatever, like this, and it seems to be how people kind of get on as well, where they just tend to go for it, and uh, it ends up working out, but out of all like the crazy things and stuff that you've been able to do, has there been any major standout moments that have came out of like, say, this career either, you know, like that you never thought could have happened? Like, I mean, did you ever envision that you're going to be writing a book? I mean, yeah. Well, you know, it's always kind of there in the back of my head, but I never thought, yeah, yeah I never thought that I'd, I'd write a book. And now I'm like, now I want to write a hundred books, which is amazing. But there's a couple of things that have happened that I'm like, that's bizarre. Um, have you ever heard of the movie That Thing You Do? Um, I'm not completely sure. <laughs> no, you should watch it. It's a gorgeous movie. Um, Tom Hanks produced it, and it was about, it was set in the sixties, and Liv Tyler was in it, and an American actor called Tom Everett Scott. Mm-hmm. And it was just a gorgeous look at about. They had a the, they they were a pretend band from the sixties. They're called the Wonders, and they had a song um, That Thing You Do. Yeah. <laughs> I loved that movie when I was a teenager. It's a real Saturday afternoon movie. Mm. Uh, there was a love story. Uh, Tom Hanks was in it. It was brilliant. And Tom Everett Scott played the drummer in the movie. So about May a year ago, I was sitting outside Devitt's, which is around the corner of where I used to live in Dublin. Mm. And um, myself and my housemates sit down beside this guy. And I looked at him and I was like, oh, my God, that's Tom Everett Scott. Oh, my God, that's Tom Everett Scott. He was in La La Land. He was in, look him up afterwards. You might recognize yeah. him. And I said, oh, my God, I said, you're Tom Everett Scott. And I said, I love that thing you do. And Michelle, my husband, was like, oh, my God, what, what's the thing that you do? Are you the media? And I was like, no, the movie's called That Thing You Do. Anyway, Scott chatting for the evening. He was over in Ireland uh, filming a movie. And he agreed to come into the radio show the next day. Oh, yeah. Said, yeah he agreed to come in and I was like what this you know is this gonna happen and he did he came into the radio show and we had great chats and that was kind of really surreal me as a teenage girl loving that movie meeting him outside Devitt asking him on the radio show and he came on so it was very cool and then I guess well, the, my book launch was just one of those moments in my life where I wish I actually enjoyed it more at the time, but obviously my head was elsewhere because I was worried. And but every one of my colleagues showed up for me, and you know, even like you know, Brezzy and Danny from the Coronas, and there was a whole host of people that I had met along the way. Yeah, uh, 
I'd come to RTE that showed up for me. And I, I really, really appreciate that. Now, I wish I had at the time. I was so nervous. And then I met Paul McGrath out of the six o'clock show. And that for me was so cool. And another instance, I helped Packy Bonner pick out which shirt to wear on the six o'clock show. Um, and there are two things that I was just like, never, ever imagined in my whole entire life. You know, that I've, and there's been so many of them. I've forgotten so many of them. And I guess Larry Gogan, being a friend of mine, um, would probably be a standout, uh, you know, thing for me as well because obviously I grew up listening to Larry Gogan and then I went to TFM and I remember getting a tap on my shoulder my first week there. Me and Chris were like so nervous. We were like, what the fuck are we doing here, you know? That's tap on my shoulder and, and Larry Gogan was looking down at me and he was like, hi. He said, oh, my name is Larry Gogan. And I was like, hi, Larry. Nice to meet you. And he said, you're very welcome to TFM. And I'll never forget that. And he just showed me nothing but kindness um, and support over the last six, seven years. And, you know, we used to text each other. You know, I actually can't believe that me and Larry Gogan used to text each other. Get away, Kier, go yeah. on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, it was an honour to um, go to his funeral um, uh, because he was genuinely a, a kind and sweet and funny man. And, you know, there's, there's some good people in this business, um, there's not a whole lot, but there, there, there is, like, you know, there is, you know, some good people. He was, uh, he was one of the best, without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah, I suppose that's like it, like as well, like so many times, like I suppose those are the biggest things that'll stick out to being like, you know, as you said, like the book, whatever, like that, you probably didn't get to enjoy about all of it. But then it's to realise like all the people and all like, you know, those connections that you made along the way, like especially as like Larry and stuff like that, where it's like you're somebody that you've obviously listened to and grew up with and whatever like this. And then you're meeting them and you're being like, holy shit, like, are we are we on like the same page now? Do you know what I mean? That kind of way. Like those are those are what you really want to take away from it. Like, yeah, like ne- you'd never be on the same page as Larry Gobin. He was like obsessed <laughs> 10 steps above the rest of us, like, you know. Mm. <laughs> I don't think there's anyone like Larry Gogan again, actually, just in terms of his work. work yeah. ethic, you know, he was working for 40, 50 odd years. You know, that that's incredible. That's an amazing legacy. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, whatever. Um, I, so... I don't know if I should really ask this question, but like it kind of does lend itself a bit to um what you're saying there um about there's not many good ones, but n- n- I mean I don't really want to push too much into it. I just have to write down that Jeff any horror stories that maybe came from the industry that oh. you were like, oh wow, um that's not what I expected going into this. <laughs> yeah, well, um on a personal level, I do have some stories. Um, you know, that I'm not going to share, but it's, you know, it's how certain people react when you're, when they think that you're more successful or you're smarter, but there's an awful lot of insecurity. But we did interview um, an actor, an American actor, comedian. Uh, what's his name? He was in the Deadpool movies. Um, not the TJ Miller. Oh. <laughs> yeah. We had TJ Miller one day and he let's just say he was just he was not long off the plane from LA or whatever he was a very difficult um guest to handle at the time maybe he was back for like the Vodafone comedy 
gig or whatever. And I just was like, he didn't listen. I remember the interview. He didn't listen to me at all. He wouldn't engage with me at all. He just listened to Chris. Not pissed me off straight away. He was rude and he wasn't funny. And obviously later on it transpired that he has problems because I think um, he got into trouble on a on a train in America um, for saying there was a bomb or something like that. Well, definitely, um, that was that stands out for me because it's rare that we get a rude interview. Really, really rare. Like people are, you know, people are obviously going to be on the best behavior. They want to, they want to come across. Um, I'm trying to think. Oh, I was surprised by. So I used to do some um, movie interviews for Entertainment.ie, and I had this. Um, I did. I judged Scott Eastwood. Okay, Clint Eastwood's son. I was like, huh, not that much going on there, and I had to go overnight to interview him in London or whatever. And I walked in and he disarmed me. He couldn't have, I walked in and been like, I'm smarter than this dude and he's not going to have much to say. And, you know, all the rest. And I walked in and he just completely disarmed me. And he was like, oh my God, the color of your eyes are so beautiful. And that's a really nice shirt that you're wearing, whatever. And it was just like, and it's, it's like a young Eastwood looking back at you. So I was completely on his throne. I was like, oh my God, almighty. And he turned out to be, so very lovely and so very giving and so very nice. And I had judged him before I went over to interview him. So kind of learned those things. Oh, and another thing I learned as well. I thought I was cool with like Irish celebrities. And, you know, because I'm like, I'm Irish. They're Irish. So, yeah. you know, it doesn't matter how famous they are. We've got that connection. We can talk about the fact, you know, that we're Irish. Yeah. And I was going to London and I stayed in a hotel in Mayfair and I was interviewing Donald Gleeson. Oh um, shit! Yeah, in a in a hotel in London, and um, I was walking up towards the hotel, and I got you know I started getting that knot in my stomach, and I was like, "Kira, don't look Gleason, you know, he's Irish, you're Irish, or whatever." <laughs> no, didn't put two like I'm huge Donald Gleason fan, and I love his work. I think what he does is brilliant, and I think he's going to be one of the best actors uh, of his generation. And mm. I can't wait to see those going forward. But I walked into that room, and I was like, "Don't look Gleason," and I just. Oh my God, I, you know, I mispronounced something. He very politely um, corrected it in his reply to me. And then in my head, I was like, oh my God, I pronounced, I said A.A. Mill. It was, and I meant to say A.A. Milne was the <laughs> character that he portrayed, but I said Mill. And he very nicely turned around and was like, um, yeah, A.A. Milne. And I was like, oh my God. And that was the first time it threw me. And I knew was A.A. Milne. I knew, knew the story inside out. I knew all the questions I was going to ask him. And uh, yeah, I got nervous. So yeah, my whole theory that I that I don't get intimidated by our celebrities, hmm, I don't know. I didn't notice that fly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I suppose. But like, I mean, if that's your, you know, your worst kind of things where it starts, I mean, meeting people and maybe you're still getting the butterflies. I mean, the, the, or uh, people just turn out to be, you know, maybe a bit like more than what you thought they were. I mean, yeah. that, that, that's I mean, not the worst. That's not the worst place to be in. Do you know what no, I mean? but sometimes when people portray themselves on social media as well, you get this kind of you think that you know who they are. You yeah. don't. We're all portraying absolute bullshit on social media. <laughs> and except for me, I'm completely truthful. Yeah, no, no, I'm like the one exemption. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but you. Do- forms you know certain judgments and I'm like you know I'll hold my hand up or whatever um I mean there's a particular rugby player and I was like he's such a dick oh my god he's such a dick and I interviewed him and he was a really nice person to deal with and I was like okay Kira, you have to stop this <laughs> because I would hate some people like that Kira King's such a dick and know me you know yeah 
Um, so yeah, so I've kind of yeah, I've stopped that. <laughs> like, I'm less judgy. Definitely yeah. Throw pandemic into the mix, and I'm way less judgy because you know <laughs> people are going through so much this year. Yeah, I feel like um, even just uh, I suppose it maybe comes from like the waiter and thing. I've yet to actually meet anybody that I've suppose seen as like put up on a pedestal, which I was expecting to um, so far through these things. But I don't know. I think I have too much of like, I just don't have enough shame um, to kind of give anybody a bit of like get too caught up in it. Like, I think what but then again, I've also been like I've I've said this constantly um, between any jobs I've kind of worked that have been like any kind of way affiliated with media and stuff like this. Um, I find myself getting far too comfortable with people quickly and I probably <laughs> more so than they're like, no, there should be this boundary. And then I'll just like rock it right down. And then I'll be like, yeah, no, we're best mates now. And then they'll be like, oh God, no, you read the room completely wrong. And then I'll like usually overshare. And then I record it and put it up online. Yeah. yeah no, my, my experience is, you see, I guess the job that I'm in and you've obviously been listening to myself and Chris for a really, really long time. So th- I'm sure there is a part of you that, that, you know, that feels that you know us and you do on some level. But for me, then when someone I don't, so you feel that you know us because we're Chris and Karen, we've been on for 11 years now, mm. for a while. So I'm a really, really private person. So when someone, you know, comes up to me and I'm like, hi, Kira, I'm like, who's, you know, who's this? You know, they'll, and they'll be over familiar with me. And it, it takes me a moment, like, it makes me uncomfortable for like a couple of minutes. And then I'm kind of like, right, okay. But you can see that in celebrities in Ireland, they're a little bit like, Mm. And then when I'm talking like, you know, the, the big ones that I've come across, like in RTE, like, you know, some of my colleagues and stuff like that, they have to be guarded because there's so many weirdos out there. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and then genuine fans, you know, I, I really appreciate it because that's why we're doing the radio show. It's to entertain people. And mm. I love, and do you know what? We don't hear it enough. <laughs> I do that, Chris, all the time. I was like, we seem to text in anymore. Mm. No one texts in anymore. Um, and that's just... Because people reach out on Twitter or because there's no, you know, WhatsApp number or, you know, people can't be arsed. Um, but our nighttime show, it was like hundreds and thousands of text messages. And, you know, that was great. Um, with the feedback now, it, it is rare because people have kind of stopped that interaction in a way, like, mm. you know. Um, there's a lot, you know, and there's a lot of negative stuff online as well. Mm. You, know, you tend to avoid it just for your own mental health, you know, yeah. if, if people, you know, anything bad about you. I really just can't get over how someone would tag, you know, another human being in a really shitty message about them or say something to them. I just, I just don't get the psychology of it, you know? Yeah, no, like, yeah, there's there's probably a bit too much for that, like, happen where you have to be, like, if only they met in person or even just, like, I'd have had, like, seen each other face-to-face or something like this, yeah, then you'd be, like, what are we fucking doing with, each, with our lives? Like, but I'm, yeah, I think that's quite funny. <laughs> Yeah, it's a really Well, I mean, that's why I always, any guests I have on, I mean, I just, um, I don't, I don't want to over familiarize myself too much. That's, that's, that's why I have the lack of kind of research in the background. Just so, you know, it doesn't seem like I'm stalking too much. That, that, that's, that's what I'm going with my excuse. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, God, this prick knows fuck all what he's talking about. And I'd be like, yeah, I mean, I just, just want to keep it fresh. Yeah. I'm new here. Um, no, but he's, I'm, I'm much, I'm much rather the questions. I'm much rather <laughs> what I'm, what I'm going to answer. Um, <laughs> If you don't, you've got to have a lot of people going, mm, well, I don't know. Like, you know what I mean? I see, and that comes from my radio background. So I was like, send me the questions, 
so I can press for this interview, you know? Yeah. So, anyway, <laughs> thank I mean, we're professionals here. Yeah, clearly. I mean, I'm recording literally off my iPhone, so it's fine. Yeah. Um, but I suppose just I'm conscious that I've already, you know, I could talk to you all day. And um, I've just been so glad that you've been able to take the time to sit down and chat shit with me, <laughs> realistically. But to kind of finish off the podcast, tell us, what does the future hold for Kira? Is there a five-year plan or is there any big goals that you want to achieve that you haven't yet? I mean, you're writing a fucking play, like, Jesus. <laughs> So I'm writing a play and I think there's another couple of books in me and I've also written a screenplay that's kind of been sent out as well. And I think I'd like to go down, you know, that avenue. Yeah. Uh, definitely in the next couple of years and just create fun, dark, happy stuff for people to be entertained by, hopefully. That's the plan. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. And I suppose, to, to is there any kind of, you know, hints or any kind of things that like what you maybe no nothing nothing for me i've stopped recording you know what? <laughs> i think it's best to to play these cards close to my heart because and it's only true you know certain things not working out for me that i've learned to do that yeah um so yeah that's why i'm just like no do you know what i'm just gonna if something were to happen well then i will tell you yeah, yeah. So I shouldn't be expecting that Kira's diary, you know, play like a one woman show or anything like that. No. Uh, not right now. Not right now. No. Nope. We'll see. We'll see. Kira's diary is a funny one. You know, it, it is a real funny one. The fact that we brought it back from the pandemic, like, I'm still like, no writing Kira's diary. Kira's diary is 20. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, does I mean it's got longevity? Do you know what I mean? Like, there, there, there's always so much more stories that can come out of that. Who knows? Like, um, <laughs> but no, um, I mean, like, again, I just um, I'm so thankful that I got to have you on for a chat. Obviously, I said that I've been listening for fucking ages. So to actually be able to sit down and have a chat for you, like a normal person, instead of, like me just like listening in the car, being like, ah. um, it like it's something that again, like I didn't expect to happen when I started doing this podcast. I actually get to talk to people that I've been, you know, felt like I've been kind of interacting with for a while, just through the like the crack that they've been having. So I'm just yeah, thank you so much for coming on and to you earlier aim higher because it's pandemic so people have a load of free time so people who are willing to do a podcast now so do it <laughs> i love that you're literally being what you love to interview yeah exactly i mean <laughs> i love i'm talking to you being like it was such like a pleasure also you're like aim higher card jesus <laughs> <laughs> and, who, and seriously who would you like to talk to in irish media oh god i have like there's too many like i mean jesus like, I mean, I th- I say I'd love to do somebody that, like, has just got stories on her about, like, Tommy Tiernan, but I feel like he's been, like, over and you did with too much stuff like that. Um, Jason, oh, I've been chancing my arm, by the way. Like, I, I'm not even low. I've been, like, trying to get in contact with Jason Byrne, like, Daryl Brain. Like, I, I, like, I, when I mean I have zero shame, I genuinely do, like, hunt people, like, through people's contacts. Um, but God, anybody else from Irish media got, I mean, just if it could ever get Michael D or anything like oh, that, that'd like. That would be incredible. Yeah. yeah. Be, I've interviewed Michael D twice, actually. Um, All right. Stop showing off. <laughs> no, but it's not. Actually, that's another side. Oh my God. You asked me before with the highlights. Interviewing Michael D twice. And both times, I only had five minutes to prep. 
Yeah, and a mic was thrown into my hand, and I was like, "Hello, President Michael D." And you know, he was—he's so good and warm, and you know, I'm mad about him. But yeah, forgot about that. My mum actually has a photo of me. Someone took a photo of me interviewing Michael D, and my mum has it blown up and put on um, her shelf in the kitchen, <laughs> and it's me <laughs> chatting to to Michael D. So yeah, that was kind of cool. Well, I mean, that's me- what me- see, that's what I'm saying. That's incredible. <laughs> I interview the president of the country. <laughs> See, I need to start writing this stuff down. I do. I exactly. Start- yeah. yeah. Kira needs to have a proper diary. Yeah. Instead of Satina's yeah. one, honestly. <laughs> No, no, the adult diary would never see the light of day anyway. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> but here, Kira, if people want to kind of see all the stuff that you're doing and, you know, find out a bit more, as if <laughs> I love that, like, I invite people on that have like, got such more, like, of a eclectic, like, background, stuff like this. And I'd be like, where can people find you? But I mean, um, if, if there's an odd chance that somebody random from somewhere listens, like one of my two listeners, um, <laughs> tune in and go, <laughs> God, I don't know who this girl is, but she seems to gas crack um where can they find you um what's uh what's the 411 yeah okay so myself and chris have a radio show called chris and kira on a saturday and sunday on rte 2 fm from 11 o'clock until one o'clock i'm on twitter as i am kira king i'm on instagram as kira king um you can buy my book kira's diary 1999 to 2000 called sense and shift and you can find that online or in any good bookstore so there you go. So sometimes I'm on the telly, on the six talk show or RT. Just kind of floating about now for 11 years. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Call me, beat me if you want to reach me. I get you. <laughs> no, well, here, thank you so much again. And um, yeah, again, um, happy birthday for your this week oh. ahead as well. Um, I hope that like it's... Um, I, ho- I hope it's a good one anyways. I mean, you're starting it off as again, said with a high. So ho- hopefully, hopefully you can get a wee bit higher from here. But I do have I don't to. Know how my week is going to get better after this. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean. Last <laughs> feeling on a Monday morning. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> I, I just have to warn people. It's, 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 part, it's part of the gig these days. Yeah, realistically. Yeah. But, um... I'll, I'll make it a little secret, okay? You're probably like, oh my God, I need Kira gone at this stage. But, um, no, God. I feel like I'm just being a dickhead now. I feel like you're like no. Jesus Christ. I've been. Good. I have, look, I have no one to hang out with, and it's going to be a long Monday. Um, <laughs> so I, I, you know, it's my birthday this week or whatever. And when I stay for the first year in many years, I actually want to celebrate it. Um, and I think again, that's because of the pandemic, and it's just made me kind of cop on and realize that I'm very lucky to to be around and be another year older. Um, so. I'm a Roger Federer fan, obviously. If you listen to the show, you'll know that. Um, so I bought myself the most ridiculous Roger Federer, Roger Federer um, piece of memorabilia. And I'm hoping that it arrives before Wednesday, uh, which is my birthday. And that's all I'll say about that. I'm definitely going to post a photo on my Twitter or my Instagram. But it's definitely the most far out there Roger Federer thing that I've bought myself. It definitely is not worth the amount of money that I paid for, but I feel like I'll get such a laugh out of it. Do you know what? Nobody in my life buys me any Roger Federer memorabilia. Like, it is, what do you get Kira? Oh, I wonder. And yet, 11 years later, nobody has once got me a Roger. Once I think somebody superimposed my head onto the body of Roger Federer's wife and laminated it. 
and gave it to me and I was like that's really weird on so many levels and what part of your brain thought that I would like this you know what I mean um yeah I, I don't get it like it's it's like so easy to me in my mind what to get me on your watch for the calendar like a t-shirt uh, like uh, anyway anyway honestly amateurs I don't amateurs get it, I just don't get it people don't obviously listen exactly yeah but yeah wait, <laughs> oh, I'm gonna post I'm, it onto my Instagram. And say, I'm like, everyone's gonna be like, "Fucking loser!" And I'm like, "I don't care. I my birthday on my own." <laughs> anyway, there you but go. here, I mean, yeah, I mean, <laughs> best of luck with everything going on that you have next. I mean, between players and Roder Fedger, <laughs> I can't even say his name anymore. Memorabilia. Um, I can't wait to see what happens from here. And um, yeah, I'm just uh, thank you again for coming in. Uh, chatting on episode of interviews <laughs> thank you <Connor. laughs> alright and here I'll see you later anyways bye thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of interviews if you'd like to support the podcast please do remember to give us a like share subscribe tell your mates tell your mom tell your dad tell whoever and uh, yeah if you can give us a wee rating on a podcast or wherever you're listening all of that really does help Again, if you'd like to give me any suggestions of who you would like to hear me interview next, you can get in touch on socials. I'm on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. It's Finterviews, Finterviews underscore podcast and Finterviews pod. So yeah, hopefully just type in Finterviews and uh, you'll find me and get in touch and let me know who you would like to hear me interview next. Thank you so much for tuning in again and I'll chat to you later. Bye.